Welcome to the NIL Spot Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jamara Mitchell. The NIL Spot Podcast is an educational space for student athletes, parents, coaches, and sports professionals. Here we will talk about the importance of name, image, and likeness. We will also discuss and understand the grind of the student while being a student athlete and their responsibilities. Join me every month as we go for a thorough analysis of NIL and its prospects for parents, student athletes, coaches, and brands, as well as the need for athletes, both amateurs and professionals, to grow and sustain their brand. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the NIL Spot Podcast with Dr. Jam. So we all have been talking about the actual affirmative action and wanting to protect our Black athletes, but now we're going to niche it down a little and funnel it down a little bit more to where we talk about our Black women that are in sports and how NIL will, you know, have its own gist in this. So I have two guests that are on. And as you guys know, I do not introduce my guests. They introduce themselves. So I'm going to let them go ahead and take over. Hello, I am Dr. Keaton, assistant professor at the University of Louisville. I study the intersection of race, gender, and the behavior of organizations, um, attentive to Black women's leadership, collegiate athletics, um, and use theoretical frameworks such as institutional institutional theory, critical race theory, Black feminism, um, and racialized organizations to make sense of college sport organizations. How do I follow that up? Uh, I am Brianna DeBose. I'm honored to be back with you, Dr. Jam, and with you, Dr. Keaton. It's amazing to be on a just having conversation with two phenomenal Black women in the sports space. So I'm always excited about that, uh, too, because I introduced myself previously, so I don't want to be too long-winded, but I am a management consultant by day and a professor by night. I teach about college athletics administration, and um, I'm based in the D.C. area, and I also run my own consulting firm outside of the one that I work for, uh, which is called Build, and I look to build student-athlete capacity, but mainly within high school and college athletic departments. I look at them through a critical lens to be able to just help fill the gaps, because there's a lot happening in college athletics right now, and we will we'll deepen we'll deep dive into those things. So thanks again for having me. Yes, as we talk about the critical lens and, you know, we're talking about the Black women in sports and NIL, how do you guys feel about the critical lens that is already set upon us as Black women having to be the strongest person in the, the group or having to be the strongest person in the audience and making sure, you know, our student athletes, our women student athletes are being looked to as well for their not just their their ability to to be that that brown person or bring in a, a different jazz to NIL but to actually just be looked at as she has potential she's going to make it and I want to offer her a deal yeah I think for me um there's 
there's tropes that I would assert push back against that, right? right? When we're thinking about who gets offer deals. And I just want to start with who gets to be hyper feminine and how femininity, hyper femininity in particular plays into marketing, plays into sexuality, who gets to be hypersexual, um, who gets to use their body in the ways that they are comfortable using to also promote products and capitalism, right? And so we can't divorce that from how Black women have been interpreted through varying gazes, but particularly a white male, white female patriotic gaze, um, and how that limits maybe who they can connect with and what brands. One thing that I have seen recently, and this wasn't at the college level, but um, at the WNBA, or in the WNBA, excuse me, um, they just partnered with Miel. Now, why hasn't something like that happened Wait, like long ago, like why is this just now a thing? Um, I was actually pretty frustrated because when I'm watching Black women play sports, I'm noticing their edges, they're laid, slayed, staying in place. I'm noticing, um, which was very different from when I played in college, nails. I didn't even imagine playing with acrylics. So we're seeing nail designs, we're seeing um, braid, braid color, braid extensions and color, wigs, lashes, like there's so many products that they're innately wearing because it's it's who they are, that it's actually really disappointing that more brands, particularly um, Black owned and Black women owned brands, maybe don't have the capital to step into that space or don't see themselves as... Um, don't see themselves as having the opportunity to approach these athletes. And I would argue that I think they very much so do. For sure. Um, to kind of echo that, it's interesting because usually Black women are trendsetters. Like culturally, we are often the ones who are looked at for, is this hot or is it not? And people listen to that, but then don't want to give us the brand deals then we're seeing it in different spaces of, oh, this certain athlete that fits that, you know, perfect, I guess, quote unquote, image is who we're going to give this to. But we also are taking into account, like where black dollars are being spent, what black women are doing in terms of setting trends and doing different things. I even think of it back to like when certain TikTok dances would go viral and things like that. And I'm like, didn't a black girl create that? Like, what is, what's going on? Or just, it's funny because my mom sent me, <laughs> she sent me this thing on Angel Reese this morning about, because she and her boyfriend went public or something. And I'm like, mom, what are you, why are you even reading this? Like, what, what is, like, what are we doing? But it was funny because I think there's a certain level of authenticity that's being had in current ger- generations of athletes that we're seeing for the first time. And it's really beautiful because it's like, okay, either I play into this this small box that you want me to be in and I still don't get the opportunities or I risk it and be myself and possibly get opportunities from that, but also get to live authentically and feel like I belong and feel like my voice matters and, and who I am matters. So I think that's really cool. Like we're seeing a shift. And especially with younger athletes and especially in college athletics, like they don't, they don't care. Like these athletes do not care. Um, and so I think that's something that you need, like unique to look at because while historically it hasn't been, it's now shifting to why not? Why not me? Why do I have to change? Let's 
be authentic to who we are. And that's a beautiful thing too. Yeah, I was um, the uh, Yahoo News article that y'all came across actually spoke about that, right? Like I see um, Angel Reese as an outlier when I'm thinking about what we have known about Black women uh, sport figures in the media because she has, I want to say, I just saw 17 NIL deals and they're not small. Mercedes Benz, I mean, that's a huge, huge deal. Um, And so to think about how there's this concept in Black feminist scholarship uh, referred to as talking back. And so when we're talking about all of these different dynamics that we know Black women athletes have had to go through, I see Angel Reese is talking back and saying exactly what you just said, Professor, that either way, it, it may hurt and it may harm, but why not just be me? And so I'm curious to see who would be that secondary or ancillary kind of Black uh, female college athlete who also has the same marketability and um, opportunity to authentically be themselves like Angel Reese. Um, My doctoral student is doing a study on this, looking at her TikTok and, you know, off the top already, like the music she's using, um, how she's bringing her own, uh, her Maryland culture and vernacular to how she's interacting with the camera. It's all very different and it's not nearly as pieced together and, um, you know, well-meaning for a particular white gaze and safe, it's authentic to who she is. So I really like to see her as an outlier until we see more Black female athletes being able to do what Angel's doing. Yeah. So like then the other, the other question comes up is, how do we get brands to understand this is who we are and we're not planning to change? Like you're going to have to either accept us or move about and you lose the bag because we're going to continue to get ours. I love hip hop. I love music. And a couple of years ago um, on all of like the big ranking and newspaper articles and, you know, big mediums out there, they said hip hop's number one in the world. It's the number one genre in the world. And it's funny because we're celebrating the 50th year of hip hop, literally like this year, they just came out, like it's a bunch of events going on. And when everything first kicked off, these same conversations were being had. It's like, how can they be authentically themselves? Or why are they rapping about this? Or, you know, we're seeing different things and we're seeing black people in a different light. And next thing you know, it's kind of like back to Mike Jones, like back then you didn't want me. Now I'm hot. You all on me. So I bring that full circle in the NIL space, especially with Black women, of a level of authenticity because it's it's reaching a tipping point almost, like I believe. And just if you don't get on the bandwagon, you will be left behind. And even when we look at these things critically in the workplace, like with consulting work that I do, everyone's talking about inclusion and belonging and bringing your whole self to work. And what does that look like? What is what does it look like to work with your athletes rather than have them like work against you? Because even back to your point, Dr. Keaton, about like when I was playing and nobody had nails and acrylics and like all this stuff, like we didn't see it, but now we're seeing it and we're seeing it in real time and coaches have to either get with it. Brands have to get with it. Schools have to get with it or you will lose out and they don't want to lose out on that monetary value. And that's the the part. It's like you are losing dollars by not allowing people to be themselves because they're just going to go elsewhere and be themselves and you will be left behind. So we're seeing it in real time. And I think it's just a matter before it tips, just like hip hop did.
how I looked in that music, but yeah, I had to. I think also relating to the intersection of um, race and gender is we have these stark contrasts with how talented you have to be. So I always go back to the Cavender twins. Good, uh, right? You're division one athlete. Right, right. Good. But <laughs> are they the best? By no, no. are they on <laughs> any, all those different awards that, you know, you know, all these different, like, high-level Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, Paige Buckers, you know, AZ, like, they're on all these different lists and Don Staley Awards. The Cavender Twins aren't even in that conversation, but yet they have um, a marketability that certain brands want. And so one aspect and caveat to this conversation with NIL is I still think we're seeing this perpetuation of, um, this strong black women trope by having to be talented as well. She's very talented, very skilled and other black women athletes that have similar NIL deals in different sports, gymnastics are also very talented and very skilled. They're not, they're not average. And so I also want to acknowledge that for parents who are thinking, I know parents is one of the stakeholders who the, the podcast touches is, you know, just because you Getting NIL deals is not as easy as it looks. Um, and I say that because my sister is a women's basketball player at North Carolina A&T. And um, her and her boyfriend have like this loving basketball platform. It's cute or whatever. It's very, they, it's very nice. But they, the deals, the small deals that they get, $1,000, $1,500 here, they're not getting help from their athletic department or coaches on taxes, how to manage that, how to secure a deal. How do you create a platform where other athletes at other institutions, and I always go back to when LSU won the national championship and there was someone monitoring their phones on the sideline. So as soon as they knew they won, phones were being handed out and they were all recording for content. It's a very different NIL landscape on the axis of sport and identity for my sister, even as a Black woman athlete compared to other Black women athletes at high-profile programs? Ah, yes, yes, definitely. The HBCU experience, yes. Um, And I think it also goes back to the whole ideology of you got to find, you got to go where the money is, unfortunately. And I think, you know, with and, and I, I'm an HBCU grad, so I love my HBCUs. And I I just actually uh, spoke at my alma mater a couple weeks ago, and it is definitely disheartening that the resources aren't there, but the talent is there. Like that's what the biggest thing I'm not understanding. Like why are our HBCUs not having the the same ability and accessibility to have the major deals. I mean, HBCUs are known for our homecomings. We are known for tailgating. Like, why aren't these, you know, brands trying to partner with our HBCUs? Like, we spend a lot of money a week <laughs> to make sure during tailgating season that everything is in place. So why can't we have those type of deals as well? And I think, you know, just like you said, Professor, I'm sorry, Dr. Keaton, we have to make sure that, uh, unfortunately, our Black women are talented and they have the look, whereas the others, as long as they fit the, the profile, is there. 
So how do we, you know, make sure our our black women uh, student athletes have the accessibility and the availability to authentically be themselves and have the opportunity to get the the major NIL deals? I think seek and you shall find. I think there's a major misconception with NIL because the anomalies, the page backers, the brawnies of the world, what's his name? The uh, Peyton Manning's nephew. I forget. He's like a UT, I think. Ash? Arch. I forget. You say Archie. Arch. Arch. Yeah, Arch, Arch Manning. Arch. Arch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're making money that you can't even imagine. Um, and like that we can't even imagine. I'm like, these, you know, teenagers, kids are basically just set for life, basically. But everybody else outside of that is regular. And those deals are coming in ways that are not necessarily sustainable, I don't think. Like, you know, a thousand dollars here or a couple hundred here, or I'll give you a free meal or maybe some gear. So brands are recognizing the student athletes value before they recognize their own value. And that's a problem within itself. So I would highly suggest any student athletes that are listening to this, like, what are your goals for NIL? Is it just like, oh, I want to make money. That's not good enough. Quantifying those goals will be very, very helpful in this case. I want to have X amount of brand deals. I only want to work with brands that are sustainable or that are, um, focusing on like l- low income communities and advancement or whatever it is, know who you want to work with, understand what your goals are financially and you know how you want to build your brand, but also more importantly, how you want to build your business because you want to sustain this after you're done playing, not just like throw it away and be like, all right, that was cool for a couple of years. It's like, no, you still have taxes and you can still run a business and you can evolve it into something really cool now that you have more time to do that. So I think it's more so seek and you shall find. Get your ducks in a row. Know what your goals are on one hand, but also who do you want to work with? Like if you want to work with Miel or you want to work with some other major hair care brand because we're in every store, like black hair care is like a huge market. And I'm just using that because we were talking about it earlier. But if you want to work with certain brands in that space, then why aren't you reaching out to them? It's like, I think there's this thing in athletics about like, give me but I don't want to reach back out to you so give me what I want but I shouldn't have to necessarily work for it um so you have to put in some work too on the front and then there's the second part of the verse too knock and the door shall be open so you have to knock too like you know uh, professor DeVos just like you said you just can't seek and find but you have to knock you have to knock on those doors you have to figure out how can we make these brand partnerships? And, you know, also think about yourself as a, a business. You have to go and get that LLC and figure out how, you know, you can make sure you have this money that is going to sustain you, not just for today and tomorrow, but for years to come. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Dr. Keaton, do you have anything to say? No, yeah. y'all, y'all are hitting it on, on, on the nail for me. I think I, I see how... I see how hard my sister works to to create content, to create content that goes viral in particular. I know having several videos with millions of views has helped. Um, and again, she's 
I think she's a great player. Could she be better? Yes. I'm very critical. I'm her sister, but she's, she's doing, she's doing great at the level um, of the league that she's in. And I think brands haven't even recognized really that she's an HBCU athlete, which I would say is very interesting. I think they recognize that her and her boyfriend have this platform that's this love and basketball and it gets a lot of views and attention. There's no acknowledging that she's an HBCU athlete and that's part of her brand. So I would also, you know, those for those listening, think about what makes your level of sport participation at the college level unique. If it is being at an HBCU and playing sports, like talk about that. How is that part of your brand? How does that tap into um, patrons who are affiliated with your institution if it is playing at a religious institution, how do you take that into account? And how is part of how is that a part of your brand and story as well? Yes, yes. And I think, you know, just trying to find that niche and what makes you great within your area to differentiate you from the rest of the other millions of student athletes that have dreams of doing and of getting nil deals and now we're looking at also in many states high school uh, student athletes having the opportunity to monetize from their name image and likeness so as we talk about those states those high school uh, states that allow student athletes to monetize from their name image and likeness what are a couple gems that you can give uh, to those parents that are listening and they may have a kid that's in middle school, but they're, you know, thinking about, okay, so high school is next year, even though we just started the year, but they're thinking about next year, how, you know, what should we do? Where should we start? So what a couple of things that you guys can tell some of the student athlete parents? I'll probably be a little bit more critical and then, uh, <laughs> Professor can be a, a little less critical, but I I very much see the NIL marketplace landscape as um, eerily resembling what we see play out in our society. So those that have resources, those that have access to um, daddy, we talked about brawny, right? Like, let's not act like those different dynamics don't exist. And let's not assume just because your child is talented, that things are just going to happen, that I see NIL as a very active venture that you have to actively participate and engage in. And then maybe things start just coming your way. But I think to assume that it just happens because it's available is not true. Um, Some colleagues at my institution uh, have examined NIL and we talk all the time that the average, if we took the average across college athletes, I think it's something like $500 is really the average NIL. So we can't get too caught up in those big numbers and thinking that just because NIL exists that you will benefit from it, there's some active agenda on your end. Like looking for the unmute button, of course, on Zoom. But I think that one, all those points are valid. I don't think they're too critical because I'm about to get even more critical because my first advice is stop, look, listen pause. Not every deal is a good deal. And my biggest worry and concern for minors is the exploitation. Because we're already seeing it in college. We're already seeing it. Like the biggest deals, like you said, a couple hundred bucks, they're realizing your value before you do. And I want high school athletes and their parents specifically 
if you don't understand what's what the deal is about and people are talking too fast and then handing shoving papers in your face have somebody look over it that does there are people out there that are willing to do this a la carte you know people that are contract specialists or even better attorneys you know there are resources out there and people are willing to help so look into those resources but like i said your child is still a child and they have not specialized in their sport and i think that comes at a detriment too so while this is fun make sure that your child still wants to do it you know and also provide that balance for them that balance of work and life it's crazy because they should just be going to school and playing their sport but you know we have different powers at play now so having that balance is crucial and making sure that they understand that they can still be able to move and shift and be whatever they want to be. I think that's that's really important. I think a lot of times high school student athletes are getting a bit too one-dimensional for me and that leads to burnout quicker. And so let kids be kids. Yes, engage in, in business, but also have somebody reputable who's on your team of support. If you don't have a team of support, get help. There's nothing wrong with help. Any university, like, well, not any, but like there's plenty of universities, you know, you go to their law department and law school and like find people that do these things and specialize in it and are like, yeah, I can help you out with this. To be able to look over certain deals, you know, be able to find certain things to do in business that is alignment with your what your kid wants to do. Because I don't want a future generation of athletes just to be burnt out and resentful because they started this stuff so soon and they started in a way that just led them down a a long road of demise. I, I don't want that. So make sure you have that balance. Make sure you have a great team behind you and resources because a lot of times the people that are most exploited are black and brown. And that's just the facts. And then those are the same student athletes that are recruited to larger institutions that further exploit them for their talents. And so why like start early as it relates to asking questions and finding resources and stop, pause, listen, like all of that good stuff. So that's kind of how I would approach it from the high school lens and giving parents some sound advice. Cause I'm like, you don't want anybody like taking advantage of your kid just for a couple hundred bucks. Like, no, they're, they're focused on so many different things, let alone trying to just make some quick money. You want to make something that's sustainable holistically, like across the board in their life. Yes, that was huge gems. (laughs) But we also, I think we, we really need to look at the aspect of making sure the academic section of being a student athlete comes first as well because if they aren't performing well academically they're not going to be able to perform well on the gridiron or on the court so let's make sure that we take care of them in the classroom and then from the classroom to you know wherever they're playing so I think that's like a major issue that we also have to think about as you know we look at NIL NIL deals won't come unless you are academically eligible to play (laughs) so we definitely have to look at that aspect too to make sure that we are keeping them where they need to be and and making sure that we are 
taking care of them and and making sure that we are also looking at them mentally and physically because burnout is real. Kids may not be able to express how they're feeling. They just don't, they just know that they're not feeling like being, you know, on the, the gridiron or being a part of the team anymore. So definitely have to look at them from a mental aspect as well. So as we wrap this up, oh my goodness, I'm sure we could talk for hours, but as we wrap this up, this was definitely, definitely a great conversation to begin. I hope that we can, you know, build this platform and we have more conversations as such, but let us know how we can follow you, how we can find you on social media or your website. I am on X or Twitter. Um, my first name spelled A-J-H-A-N-A-I, Keaton, K-E-A-T-O-N. I will respond to LinkedIn messages. It may, it may take me a while. <laughs> my uh, my colleagues here know, but I will respond to it. Um, very approachable via email. Um, and my email contact information is on the University of Louisville website, uh, specifically in the sport administration program. So I just realized something. I'm pretty sure I didn't even say my name. I would just jumped into what I did because I was like so excited to jump into the conversation. I was like, oh, I was on this like a couple weeks ago. So my name is Brianna DeBose. That's who you've been talking with. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been a day. But you can find me at BriannaDeBose.com, B-R-I-A-N-A, DeBose, D-U-B-O-S-E.com. All of my fun things are on there and links to social media, all of that good stuff. So I always like website first and, you know, you can fill out an inquiry form or find me on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever. And I'll be there. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, X because I'm just like, what is that? What is that? It's yeah. it's Twitter. It's Twitter forever and always. It, it is like it is doing too much. But yes, Twitter, I'm I'm always on Twitter. So that is a great way to get in touch with me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Dr. So you got oh, and thank you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. But you guys take advantage of LinkedIn. Literally, take advantage of LinkedIn. This is how this circle was formed through LinkedIn. So definitely <laughs> take advantage of LinkedIn. You guys, thank you for another wonderful episode of the NIL spot. I hope you guys are doing well. You know what to do. Like it and share it. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the NIL Spot Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I loved recording it. Please be sure to subscribe so you can get more content. And if you appreciate the show, please jump over to your favorite podcast platform and give a positive rating to know more about the show. Or if you want to reach out and ask questions, you can reach me at the NIL Spot on Instagram at the NIL Spot Podcast. See you there.